Hey goddesses, welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon. I'm your other host, Angel. And this is our twice monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending like it all makes sense. Because that's literally all we do all the time. What, just explore the wide reaches of spirituality? I mean, basically. I mean, that is actually pretty accurate. I'm doing that while I'm driving the car. I'm doing that while I'm sitting, you know, just looking on my phone. Yeah, you're exploring the wide reaches of spirituality when you're scrolling your Insta or Twitter feed? Well, maybe not, but it's none of it certainly makes sense. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so it's partly true. Yeah, things are making less and less sense these days. Should we introduce ourselves? Yes, let's do so. Who are you? I am Brandon Alter. I am a spiritual healer. I am a tarot reader and a tarot teacher. And I'm also a performer and a writer and a weirdo. Oh, you are. You're my weirdo. No, thanks, honey. I'm the world's weirdo. That's true. Aquarius. Who you be? I'm Angel Lopez. I am a writer and a film producer and an astrologer. Of the stars. You are an amazing astrologer, and you're also an amazing writer. Angel just wrote a pilot. Can I talk about this? Uh, Sure, a little bit. Of a new TV show that he's developing, which is all about his... Experience with spirituality. And his initiation into that world, and it is beautiful. And I read the first draft, and I was like crying and weeping a little bit and laughing out loud. And I'm really proud of you. And I'm so excited to just have you push that baby out into the world because these children need it. Thank you. Well, you are my target demo, so. Oh, good. (laughs) Well, mission accomplished. Yeah, if it's speaking to you, then it will speak to all other weirdos out there like you. (laughs) And you've been doing a lot of writing recently. I have. I've been waking it up. Should we just roll into a check-in? Check it in. Yeah, I uh, recently went away for four days up to the woods, got myself a house in the woods by myself to, you know, do a little soul searching and ultimately did a bunch of writing, which was really nice and lovely. Uh, started out by facing a bunch of my old demon friends, which was fun. Oh, yeah, how they aged. You know what? They haven't aged well. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's too bad. They actually haven't aged a day. Oh, wow. They're just frozen in time. Just the same ones I met when I was eight years old. Oh, wow. Uh, But you know what? That was honestly like the best part about it in hindsight was going there. And, you know, and when I say like facing my demons, I basically realized that like I have issues just around like feeling safe and secure. Like, you know, as anyone who would maybe go to a house in the woods by themselves, you know, like you would feel like, what was that creek? What was that sound? Um, But mine is so amplified because I grew up in a very sort of fearful home. Uh, you know, my dad was a, a cop and he used to barricade the door at night when we would go to sleep. And, you know, we had issues of people coming into our house and I slept on the floor of their room for months at a time because I was afraid that someone was going to come into our home. Jesus. So, yeah. So I think that was a lot of stuff that I just hadn't really faced and dealt with. And it was a bit of a gift to go there and face that. I mean, I was up all night. I was honestly, I didn't sleep much, but where I got to with it was on my second night there of sleeplessness, and it was right around the Aquarius full moon, which if, you know, is my midheaven, it fell into my 10th house, my career house. And your midheaven is sometimes known as like what 
you will be known for in the world. Exactly. Yeah, I always say it's like your life purpose line. You know, the energy of that sign that sits on your midheaven. So look the at the cusp of your 10th mm-hmm. house, everybody. And that is an indication into what you're going to be known for in the world. Yeah, how, how you're meant to like express your life purpose out into the world. And it was also having angles to my 12th house, Mercury, Venus, which is a lot of my writing. But anyhow... Um, that second night I was lying in bed creating all of these like terrible thoughts in my head and it kind of transitioned into the work that I wanted to be working on, the writing I wanted to be working on. So I just got up and I started writing at three in the morning and I wrote for like 90 minutes and it was really beautiful and fun. Then I went right to bed. That was the lesson for me of it's because I haven't been fully creating the stories for myself that my mind just creates stories of terror for myself in my real life. So I need to be using that high vibe energy for something good and positive because otherwise I'm turning the monster inwards onto myself. I mean, that's pretty profound. Yeah, I was. And I yeah wrote 25 pages of just this thing that I'd already started. And it was really, really fun. And I definitely feel like I got my money's worth out of that trip. So I'm feeling good and excited for the next step. Well, you know how we talk about if you're not using the energy of the cosmos, it starts to use you. Mm -hmm. And I think the same thing is true for creative energy. If you're not using your creative energy in a way that's generative, then that creative energy has nowhere to go and it's going to start using you. Totally. So if you are someone who is a creative writer, if you're not using that creative skill to write drama onto the page, you're going to write drama into your life. Yeah. And I ain't here for that. No, and I can't handle that. No. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. save the drama for the page and the stage, lady. I know. I'm sorry for all the past drama that I've generated just out of my mind's sheer boredom. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> I live in a house full of drama queens with this little furry Leo, whose birthday it just was. Yay. Noche, do you want to check in? Okay. She's a silent Leo. She's a silent Leo. No, she is not silent. <laughs> she parks true. all the damn time. <laughs> That's true. He's just always silent when we're recording. Thank you, Noche. Uh, we appreciate that. He wasn't silent last night when he was chasing that fly around. Oh my gosh. He never got it, though. He will. How are you, boo? I'm well. I'm doing well. I am really excited about my own creative projects that are happening. Brandonna Summer. She's got a new show that I'm working on, and that's going to actually happen in Los Angeles on October 11th and 12th. Yeah, Gazers, if you're in LA And you want to come see Brandonna Summer, Healing Through Living, tickets will probably go on sale at the end of next week. Yeah, we'll give uh, more information through like, As it develops. Insta and Twitter yeah. and stuff. But just know, October 11th and 12th, it's a Friday night and a Saturday night, two nights only, the Leo Diva comes to town. Ow! So that's very exciting. I also had the opportunity to participate in the staged reading of a musical this past week, which was really fun for me just to be flexing those theatrical muscles again, because after a long time of just doing like film and TV acting, uh, to get to do something on stage really reminded me how much I love that and how it's kind of an irreplaceable practice. Like it's just totally different. And that was really my first love of acting in the first place was theater. And so it's been really nice just to be reminded that... A, I love it, and B, I do have a gift for it. And so it reinvigorated me to continue to pursue that in whatever capacity it like shows up in my life. But that was a really nice kind of like reboot. And it happened around the Venus star point. Which is basically when Venus and the sun come back together, uh, are conjunct in a sign, 
And it had been eight years since they had been together in Leo. So it created this whole new cycle of relationship and creativity. Yeah. And I think it's probably been eight years since I was in a play that I didn't like write for Brandonna. Because the last time I really did theater was two years ago when I wrote that musical for Brandonna and took it to New York and did that. But to do a play as the male version of myself, it's probably been some time. And it was really great just to... I'm just like so much more comfortable with myself. And so of course that translates to being more comfortable on stage or inhabiting a role. Yeah, you did a great job. Thank you very much. It was fun to see you as a boy on stage. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Uh, So I am continuing to learn how to take breaks. I've instituted a Sabbath for myself, which I'm totally not following this week because it's a Sunday and we're recording. But usually Sunday is my day off because I'm learning that I have a tendency to overschedule myself and just be busy, busy, busy. But I am working on it and learning how to work hard and then rest hard. And... I think I'm probably going to go out to the desert next week for two nights because I miss her and I need her. And that will be a really nice, it'll be like a double header Sabbath. I'll just like take two days in a row. Yeah, there you go. Make up for today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're just really feeling the energy, I think, of all this astrology of the last week. Jupiter turned direct, Mercury leave its shadow and move forward, the Venus star point. Uh, Yeah, it's a lot of forward motion. So hopefully you've all been feeling it too. And uh, feel free to reach out and let us know how it's been affecting you too. So we have a really beautiful spirit talk today that we want to dive into. So we're just going to do a quick little micro dose of reality. Yes. So without further ado, here it is, this episode's Dose Dose of Reality. Reality. So we want to talk about Below Deck. Mediterranean. Because it's so good this season. And you know my love, Hannah, is back. And she's oh, doing yes. a much better job this season. She June, seems like June, a head's Hannah. in the game. June June Henna. June June, June Henna. She's got this third stew who is literally out to lunch. She's completely bonkers. She's a spice case, even though she's gorgeous. And she decides not to have her earpiece in her radio. So the whole time, Hannah's always trying to get a hold of her. And she's like, June June Hannah, June June Hannah. And there's June just ironing some clothes. Yeah. But Hannah's really pulled it together this season. I mean, she must have seen herself from last season because she was slightly atrocious. She was unhinged. Yeah, but now she's, you can tell, she's focused, driven, and wants to be a good version of herself for television. Yeah, and she's good at her job when she applies herself to it. Yeah, and when she's not, like, shading people over, you know, overly so. Yeah, but I would love to go on a yacht with her as my chief stew and Captain Sandy as my captain. Well, I would travel anywhere with Captain Sandy. I mean, come on. My favorite moment was, so she had to back into this oh, yeah. slip and a slip is like essentially like a parking spot for a yacht and they were in, I think it was San Tropez and it was this very, very tight spot and so Captain Sandy backs this huge yacht in and she does it successfully. It was amazing. And then she's talking to the bosun and she's like whew that was good like we did that and she's like and then she looks over her shoulder and there's like an ice cream shop right on the shore and she's like I think I'm gonna go get myself an ice cream oh my god and I was like oh Captain Sandy I've never felt more connected to you in my entire life she's a soulmate for you she's an ice cream soulmate when we have her on the show because we're gonna have her on the show yeah it's gonna happen we'll make sure to have ice cream for her (laughs) oh my god we'll have to find out what her favorite flavor is yeah and then get it from three different locations oh yes and have her do do an ice cream taste test (laughs) Totally. We'll do a sampling with Captain Sandy. Sounds beautiful. I love that. But anyhow, so I'll be interested to see where it goes now. And I feel like some people are about to exit the show. So 
I just they're teasing that. Tune in. Are you watching Below Deck Mediterranean? We want to know. Are <laughs> yeah. we the only ones? I don't think we are. <laughs> yeah, and if you are watching it, who's your favorite? Yeah, who's your who's favorite? your favorite, honey? Well, we know Hannah. Or is it Captain Sandy? It's neck and neck. I mean, no. My favorite is Captain Sandy. Yeah. I but mean, I love Hannah because no, I've just been with her for so long, you know? It's like you can't even include Captain Sandy because she's on her own level. No, exactly. So Hannah would be your favorite. Hannah's my favorite because, yeah, Captain Sandy is the show. Yeah. No, I agree. Who's your favorite? I think Aisha's my favorite. Oh, she's sweet. She's special. She's the second stew. She has a heart of gold and a mouth of putty. Yeah. And, and just a say really whatever wants to come through. Interesting accent. Yeah. Or just speech pattern. Yeah. yeah. But she's lovely. She's joyful. And speaking of joyful, we had an amazing spirit talk with the miraculous Alana Mayo, who is the head of development and production for Outlier Society, which is the company that Michael B. Jordan, you may know him, uh, he started and uh, she basically runs it for him and is producing and developing a bunch of amazing projects that are out there in the world. And she is also now the, formerly the fiance and now the wife of Lena Waithe, one of our past guests. So talk about a power couple, my God. So without further ado, here is Alana Mayo in the Spirit Room and this episode's Spirit, Spirit Talk. So we are so privileged to be sitting here with the beautiful, the creative maven, Alana Mayo, welcome to so the Spirit much. Room. Oh, thank you for having me. I can't. I genuinely can't believe I have not been in here before. I genuinely can't believe you've never it's been like in here either. It's very strange to me. I must have been. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like when you've come over, we've maybe never made it past the like ta- the dining room table. Correct. Or I've just gone right outside <laughs> for those like fabulous, yes. you know, yeah. gatherings you would host. Yeah. Normally, I think unless you're coming, unless you like need to pull a card. <laughs> you don't normally make it into this room. Well, I still need multiple readings from both of you. Well, you'll get so. to pull a card at the end of oh, this yay. episode, so okay, that'll good. be a start. Yes. Okay, good, 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 good. Very true. But yeah, yeah, when we would throw parties, we would like leave this room open, and we would light a candle or two, and we would just like put cards out. Oh, and every wow. once in a while, like you'd come in here and you'd see like three people just like sitting on the carpet having a key. That's amazing. While everybody else was, you know, like out doing whatever they were doing. You know what? I did that at your wedding. Ah, you went to the ceremony space. I definitely went to the space. I hung out there. There was like a good group. I remember spending quite a bit of time there. Oh, okay. No, she's giving me a bath. Just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should just tell everybody, all the gazers, that Noche literally decided to sit next to Alana, which has never happened to a yes. guest before. No. And he's giving her a tongue bath. Right? Yeah. A tongue bath. Yeah, thank you so much, Noche. I really appreciate it. You have a dog too, yeah. I do. My Simone. Your Simone. Yeah. Is she well, a big licker? She is. She's just a big lover and she has no understanding of personal space in general. So her favorite thing is to come like nuzzle you in your neck and Aww. then just like she, we wear a lot of chains and so she likes to bite our chains and like kiss. She's very into like making out with you essentially. I'm totally so, into that. Yeah. Some people Likewise. love dogs and they're like, I do not want a dog to lick my face. And I'm like, that's part of it. I was one of those people and then I got her and I was like, all things right. are on yeah. the table. So child. sleep in the bed, <laughs> lick the face. Totally. Like, why not? Yeah. She's beautiful. No. She's I know. I still lives. haven't met her. I need to come and meet her. What? I know. Well, you guys, you're we in the spirit so room. Now things. we'll come meet. Okay, perfect. One thing, one thing at a time. We knocked on the spirit room today. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, well, cool. It's so lovely to have you, as Brandon said. I mean, we've known each other for a while. A um, minute. Yeah. And I feel like we sort of knew each other a little bit professionally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we got to know each other really personally. Yes. Um, and then, like you mentioned, you were at our wedding, mm-hmm. which was lovely. Was it such a privilege? <laughs> it was one of my favorite weddings. I'm not, you know, like a, I've never seen my own wedding, but I love, love, love going to other people's. And it's so cool when a wedding speaks very specifically to the people getting married. And I feel like everything about your wedding was just the two of you. So it was really, really special to be there. Yeah, well, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, we go pretty hard on who we are. <laughs> As oh, we no, were yeah. saying, we're a, yeah, we're a Scorpio marriage. So it's like go hard or go home. True that. Makes total sense. Yeah. Makes yeah. total sense. Yeah, fully expressed that and wedding was. <laughs> I learned after the fact that Joshua Tree, which is where we got married, mm-hmm. is also a Scorpio. Because the birthday of Joshua Tree, when Joshua Tree, the national park, was incorporated, was on Halloween, October 31st, in like the late 90s, which makes it a Scorpio. Oh, wow. We so went we, hard. Yeah, we went hard. Yeah, we, we fully Scorpioed it out. <laughs> Wait, so I'm a Taurus, which I'm told is very compatible with Scorpios, or is that wrong? It's true. It's the opposite. Oh. Scorpio and Taurus mm-hmm. are the polarity of what I call like life and death. Oh. Because Taurus is, is, is all about like life. And about like springtime and about like new growth and physical reality. Like you Torrens love your physical Mm -hmm. things. We do. We do. And Scorpio is, you know, like fall into winter. It's about death. It's about rebirth. It's about the unseen, the invisible. So together they create kind of like a full spectrum. But yeah, so you mentioned you're a Taurus. I am, proudly. Yeah, so (laughs) what does that mean to you? How do you feel you relate to, to being a Taurus? Um, well, I feel like I'm pretty textbook um, <laughs> in a way that I'm really proud of. I mean, you know, the growing up, my family members um, and family friends who had Taurus children always talked about how difficult it is to raise Taurus children because the stubbornness is just, it's just a thing, you know? It feels so organic and so you know, innate to me. And I am, I am, you know, married to a a Taurus and it's interesting, our dynamic, which most people like don't understand how you could possibly (laughs) have two people in a relationship who are, you know, who are both like full-blooded Tauruses. But I think it's because we so much understand that like being, being stubborn, being set in your ways is not, you know, loving a lot of change and dynamism. It's just who we are as people that we're just okay to like, recognize that the other one isn't going to budge. Yeah. The other one isn't going to change. And there's a lot of, you know, we're both very verbal. So there's a lot of like arguing and pushing each other, but it's like, it's okay. Cause this is how we have to communicate to understand that you're not going to change. I'm not going to change. We, my favorite conversation we had was in, when, when we got engaged, it was like, should we change our names? And I don't know what you guys actually did, but mm-hmm. it was like, should you change our, should we change our name? Should we be hyphenated? Should we like do some sort of combo? And so, when we were finally like having to make the decision, I was like, do you like, do you want to change your name? And she's like, well, I'm Lena Waithe. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I said, well, I'm Alana Mayo. Okay. And we looked at each other and we're like, yeah, let's not, let's not change your names. Yeah. Oh this God, is not like, this could either be 10 minutes of debate that will not end up in a compromise or we could just agree right now that we're yeah. not going to change. So I feel like I've always felt very much that as a person. And then the more that I've gotten to understand, you know, what being that sign actually means. And like, I, you know, I was talking about, I've never been able to meditate. Like I've never been a person who likes to sit in a room. And my, I had a therapist who said, you know, 
you're not going to be like, that's not going to be your meditation. Like your meditation would be like gardening or cooking. Mm -hmm. And I realized like, oh, I like love doing laundry. I love cooking. I love these tangible earthly things where like my fingers are literally in dirt. And that's a spiritual practice for me. So it's, it's really cool to understand how so much of who you are as a person is connected to these bigger, you know, yeah, universal dynamics. And nature, do you like being out in nature? I don't. That is, <laughs> I do. Well, I should say I do when I don't. I appreciate it. Um, like you I like have a gardening. Great love for like it. gardening's nature. No, absolutely. Like, like I love being camp. outside. I love you know. I definitely feel like a connection to nature. I think you know. I'm, the ocean? No, not so no, much the ocean. I mean, I I do when I'm there. I right, love it. Right, you're not it. like, oh god. <laughs> yeah, no. I just you know what I think. I think in personality, I'm I'm an urbanite, so. I have a great appreciation for it. I just am not like, I have to be. No, I think that's good to explore because, you know, know, like Taurus is very much connected to, Mm -hmm. like, I think of Taurus as the sign of Mother Nature. Mm. But food, cooking Mm -hmm. is very much like Mother Nature. Like, she grows everything. We love So the process of just like cooking is very Tauran. Yeah. Or I'm even thinking about like how you took it upon yourself to like design and remodel every inch of your new home. Totally. And that feels very Tauran too. It's like Mm -hmm. the stubbornness is not just in the mind. It's like, Mm. and this is how this has to be. Oh my God, you have no idea. Like this is how the tile has to be Uh and this is where the sink needs to Uh be and this door actually should be over there. Correct. Mm. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, Yeah. no, it manifests in all sorts of ways. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But anything, or you know, tangible, anything that you can feel and touch and hold has always really been a thing that I respond to and love. Sorry, Angel, you were saying. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I, f- I f- was thinking about Taurus and how, because I have a Taurus rising, so mm-hmm. I understand the Taurus ways. Yeah, he's too, stubborn as hell. Okay, fine. Uh, I also, too, <laughs> love laundry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he does love laundry. Who yeah. doesn't love laundry? I have a load dryer right now. <laughs> I could take it or leave Brandon, it. Really? Yeah. I mean, I don't even know. Do, do you even know how the dryer works? I know how the dryer works. <laughs> In theory. No, in practice. I went away to boarding school. There were a couple years in my life where I had to do my own laundry. I don't like it. It's just like a means to an end. I understand. Okay. Okay. He'd much rather just wear it. Yeah. Or like just buy some new underwear instead of like washing the laundry fairies handle. It's fine. We'll discuss this later. (laughs) Okay. Um, But anyhow. I'm uncomfortable. I feel very unsafe. (laughs) I feel very unsafe right now. We're not attacking. Uh, Let's not attack in the spirit Uh, room. (laughs) But I was thinking about Taurus and just how... It really is such the perfect balance of the earthy and the ethereal mm. because it is an earth-based sign. Mm. So there is very, you know, yeah, tangible, like yeah. you said. They work hard. Yeah. Uh, but they also rest hard. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> they like to relax <laughs> no hard. Idea. And mm-hmm. the ethereal element, because they're mm-hmm. Venus ruled, is, you know, connects them to creativity and yeah, beauty and yeah. that appreciation of those things. And so I feel like... You know, you are such a perfect expression of Taurus because you do, like you said, have this like real tangible element to you. You do work hard. Mm -hmm. I know that about you. But you also have like a really strong appreciation for beauty, creativity. I mean, you work in the arts, obviously, and are someone who helps other people channel Mm -hmm. their work out into the world, which, you know, the mother nature element Mm -hmm. of it. I mean, there you are like mothering. Yeah forth these creative pieces so painfully yeah it feels really yeah like you are definitely embodying that thank you because i i totally relate to that and i think you know there's like you know there's like the the negative connotations of of 
like certain tourist attributes, right? So like if you want to be if you want to be like not generous about tourist attributes, it's like, you know, you're stubborn and you're lazy, right? Um and I I feel like I can be both of those things, um but I, but you're so right like there is there is definitely an appreciation for you know, for non-tangible things. But I think the expression of that appreciation for me has always been tangible. And it was why, Mm. you know, it was so great for me to find my profession, which was like, I remember, you know, knowing that I wanted to work in the arts and also, you know, not really feeling a talent for or an enjoyment for just like pure creative expressions. I I was in a creative writing program in college and I hated writing. And like, I'm I'm a really good writer like I'm good with words but I hated having to like come up with a story and like let it flow out of me but I love sitting in a room with other people and like not critiquing their work but like the part of the class that would be a workshop where you'd all you know like sit around and read each other's work and give feedback I loved that and when I when I first met a producer and saw what she did I was like oh this This, like, totally – it just, like, all clicked in place for me Mm -hmm. because it allowed you to have creative expression and and the space for talking about ideas and big ideas and, you know, it's, it's, you know, making – I think, like, making any sort of – content or art is is in reaction to the world so you're like processing these bigger ideas and it's it is very spiritual you know you're like when you're talking about a character's journey you're not just saying like oh he's got to start from a and end up at b you're like really talking about what is this person going through like when you're talking to i work with an actor now when you're talking to an actor about how he would perform something you really have to like get deep in an understanding of like if he's doing a scene or she's doing a scene or they're doing a scene about a marriage, like you're having a conversation about what is this particular marriage Mm -hmm. and how are these two people relating to each other? So you have all of that, but I really enjoy the part of my job that is also like more literal hands-on work. You know, I really like the physical producing of things and, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of having to like leave my home for six months at a time. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, once you're on set and you're like, we're making a thing, you know, we're making a thing. And there are people that are literally building sets, you Mm -hmm. know, or literally sewing together costumes. That part of the job I always really love. So when I found a job that connected those two sides, it was like, oh, this is actually, you know, exactly what I might enjoy doing. And, you know, I don't know, 15 some odd years later. I do. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. So I'm interested, though, little Alana, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Taurus. Yeah. You know, you just described how she expresses in her she adult was, life. Yeah. What was she <laughs> like? She was very fully expressed in her child life. I mean, I was both. And it's, it's funny because I don't know that anyone has ever talked about the duality, like the ethereal part of a Taurian person. But it makes sense because, like, on the one hand, I, I mean, if I if you would describe me, if you were, like, pick a, you know, an adjective to describe Alana as a child, I guarantee you if you pull all of the people in my life, 95 to 100% of them will say either stubborn or bossy, <laughs> oh, you know, right. or both. <laughs> if they're like, we can't pick between the two. And I just – and I don't remember feeling that way as a child, but – all of the people that were around me in childhood described me that way. But then I was also the kid who, like, I love – it's funny, Brandon, you talked about nature, and I realized, like, I love the rain. I've always been a pluviophile. Like, love – it's hard – one of the harder things for me when I moved to California, like, people moved to California to get away from seasonal effects of depression. 
And I moved here and got depressed because it was sunny all the time. Yeah. And I was like, I don't have like, I don't get these rainy days where I would just like sit outside and like, or sit and like look in the rain or like go outside in the rain. So when I was a kid, I used to, when it would rain, I would put on a bathing suit and cowboy boots and I'd go outside and like dance around in the rain. And my mom just like, even now she's like, you were just such a interesting child to raise because you were very much like walking around, you know, my first words were uh, to my older brother, like Barry, get out of that garbage. Like my first words were a full sentence and a command <laughs> and it's just never stopped since. But then I would also like, you know, go outside and like dance in the rain. So I definitely this is like a realization I'm having now. I think I had both of those sides of myself embodied in one yeah. from a very, very early age. I cannot believe that your first words were full, full sentence. Full sentence. Was it literal garbage? No, or? it was literal. He was playing. We're at my grandparents' house in the Bronx, and he was playing in the garbage can because my uh, my older brother is, I think he's a, he, he's a Virgo. Wow. Yeah, he's September 15th. Virgo? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a late degree um, Virgo. And he... He was messing with the garbage can, and my mom's like, it was as if you would just, like, decided not to talk until you had enough words to be able to say a command. <laughs> and she's like, you said clear as day. It's like a famous story in my family. Barry, get out of that garbage, period. And then she's like, and then you said nothing else. <laughs> and you just were like, and oh now I'm going God. back to doing what I'm doing. Did he get out of that garbage? <laughs> he, um... Probably not, which is defining <laughs> of our sibling relationship to this day. And he also, to this day, because he's one of the main people that will say that I'm bossy, he's like, from day one, Alana, you've been telling right. me what so to funny. do. Famous story. <laughs> exactly. Two earth signs. Two earth signs oh. just bumping yeah, up right. against each other. Oh, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay, that's fascinating. Uh, but going back to mm-hmm. little, I'm obsessed, little Alana, little, little Torian Alana, Alana mm-hmm. in her cowboy boots and mm-hmm. her bikini mm-hmm. in the rain. <laughs> It was a one piece. And her one piece. It was a flesh tone. I'm sorry that I just sexualized six year old Alana. (laughs) That's really inappropriate. I'm so sorry. I'm embarrassed. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) How would you start to talk about like your first experience Mm. of spirit or spirituality as, because that starts to feel like we're getting into those realms? Totally. Well, I was raised in my first introduction to spirituality was through like very organized religion. So I grew up always, you know, believing in one God. I grew up in a very like dogmatic Christian religion. Um, It's called Jehovah's Witnesses. And so it's an evangelical proselytizing religion um, that's, that's very small. Like there's not a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses in the world. And it's incredibly dogmatic and biblically based. So for... Is it fundamental and Nature? Yeah, yeah, I'd say it's, it's, you could also call it, you like know, it's pretty fundamental. Literal. It's real. It's literal, but they have their own translation of the Bible. I should say I'm no longer a practicing <laughs> member right. of this faith with anyone who knows anything about Jehovah's Witnesses would guess, but uh, just to state it, but so just so you understand what I'm saying, they, uh, but they, they have their own translation of the Bible, which is not different from like a King James or, you know, um, or another, but there's there's definitely literal interpretation of the Bible, but but there's literal interpretation that other Christian faiths don't share. So, um, for example, like there is a scripture that references birthdays as a pagan practice, and I'm not aware of any other religion that interprets that scripture that way i this is i'm so lapsed i don't remember which one but it it Mm. does exist in most translations of the bible it's just most people don't extrapolate from that um and then they share a lot of the you know like any 
fundamental Christian religion. Like, they share a lot of the same beliefs of, you know, what's good, what's not. Like, they all interpret Leviticus the same way. Right. You know? So did you not celebrate your birthday as a child? No, I never. I still to this day kind of don't just because I don't have a connection to that celebration. Yeah. But I don't I don't choose not to. Like, you know, my wife is very, um, very into celebrating birthdays. So I have no aversion to it. But it took me a while to get to that place because it is it is a – you know, I like whenever I meet people who who are raised Catholic, or a lot of times when I meet people who are raised Jewish, you know, we can we can connect on like the amount of guilt that you feel for um, for like sinning or whatever version of you know whatever however you determine doing something against what you should be doing as defined by your faith. And so, I, when I was in college, I was pretty sure. I didn't want to continue practicing this religion, but I, like, couldn't celebrate my birthday. I was like, no, that's not, like, I still thought that was a pagan thing. So it's been a, it's mm. been a gradual evolution out of that practice into something else. But to answer your question, um, Brandon, I had this really interesting way of growing up where my mother raised us in this faith. And even when she was married to my father, they got divorced when I was I don't know, eight or nine or 10. Um, But even when they were married, my father has always been this very spiritual person, but non-practicing of any faith. And he, like, he's the person who's, like, tried every religion and has now kind of come to his own version of it. But my dad was always kind of, like, the new age spiritual guy. Mm -hmm. So I had on the one hand that, and on the other hand, this, like, super intense dogmatic religion. So... When I when I stopped practicing as a Jehovah's Witness, I was always like still a very spiritual person and always very connected to spirituality. And so it started, my dad was dating this woman who was a yogi. And so I started practicing yoga. And my dad has been into meditation for a really, really long time. And so I started doing that. My dad lives in a house that he built along ley lines. So it has a healing energy. So like I've always, you know, understood that whether you define it as, like, God or mm-hmm. a certain religion, there is a connection to the spiritual realm that is intangible and that you can decide to relate to in your own personal way. So I would say my spirituality has evolved more from my mom's spirituality, which she still is practicing that religion, into more of how my dad's always defined it. And are there moments that you can think of where you had that sense of connection, mm-hmm. where you felt that larger than you presence? Yeah. Is there anything that comes to mind? Um, I think I always have. I mean, you know, I, I've always been raised with, like, an understanding of gratitude. And I think that for me, whenever I think about, you know – all of the good things that come to my life, like anything good that comes to my life, like that's always a moment to connect to my sense of spirituality mm. because I know that that's not me. You know, I know that it's it's not. Like as much as I'm like about working hard and doing things and making things, I never, never attribute anything where I'm like, wow, like how fortunate am I to anything that I've ever done? Like I, mm. I you know, even when there's hard work involved in it, I know there's something else happening around me and when I feel most connect when I feel most like things are going well for me is when I feel connected to that energy um so I would say you know 
when when you know like falling in love or or I, I remember we I went to Australia and there's a I forget what it's called but there's a a, a road that's like their equivalent of PCH in California and it goes along the coast of of uh, of Arizona and we were driving from Melbourne or someplace an hour away to see something. My girlfriends and I were stopped just like at a beach and it was a beach in and around sunset. And I just remember being like, this is fucking incredible. And it was, it was ordinary. It's a beach that's been there for hundreds of thousands of years. But I was just like, who made this? Like, how did I get here to witness this? I'm like stunned by this. And those are the moments that I really feel, I feel most spiritually engaged, connected, vibrant, all of those things. So you mentioned like, you know, you call it God, what have mm-hmm. you. What do you call it? Well, I don't call it God. I hope I'm not offending anyone. Uh, honey, it's a spiritual um, case. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We call it all things. Fair and enough. Everyone who listens calls it all things. Okay, fair enough. Um, I call it just, I just call it the like, the spiritual, the intangible. You know, mm. I love the word energy. I use that a lot, and I think maybe just from a, like, semantics perspective, I probably use energy the same way that people use the word God. Um, but I don't – you know, I I had a really not good relationship to religion because of right. how I was raised, you the know. Traditional God. Oh, my God. So it's very – I mean, haha, pun intended. It's very hard <laughs> for me – to like, I think monotheism. I studied um, I studied East Asian religion in college for a few semesters, and I was so I was like, this is just beautiful, you know. This like finding God in nature, you know, having space for different philosophies and ideologies. Thinking of God as this flexible thing, like I really, really loved that. Um, and was that after you had already parted ways with yeah, your religion? Okay, yeah. so then I mean, it was like a seeker. Yeah, exactly, situation. exactly. Yeah, I just was like, they're they're beautiful expressions of religion. And then you know, I think the the expression of religion that I grew up in was very limiting and very judgmental. You know, it can be really extreme. And I always, I always like to be somewhat fair about it because I, you know, I I still to this day like, you know, I wasn't abused in this religion, and I know. You know, a, a lot of my family members are still practicing, older and younger. You know, I have a lot of friends who are still practicing. My, you know, my, like, other mother, this woman who raised me, is still a practicing Jehovah's Witness. And they're beautiful people, and we have great relationships. But the the expression of that religion, for me at least, was very, like, not healthy and supportive. And so I think, you know— Anything that feels like monotheism and feels like Christian dogma for me is always mm-hmm. gonna be. It's always gonna give me like a little bit of an allergy. Um, right. <laughs> but uh, but I haven't I haven't like gone so far as to like find something else to take its place. Yeah, but was your break from it mm-hmm. then challenging to navigate with these other people? Yes or? and no. I I you know I have had a lot of like fortune in my life. So I have this big family. My mom has twelve siblings and. Um, and I have, you know, probably like a hundred cousins, you know, amongst if you count everybody. Wow, and so wow. we have all yeah. kinds. Exactly. <laughs> Do you so, talk to them all? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're very we're very wow. close. We're I've like, gotten that just from like your social media presence. Yeah. Like, there, it feels like there's a lot of family always going on. There is 
like I've always been like I don't actually need to have friends. I have cousins, right? So <laughs> you know, there there's a lot of us, and there's all kinds. We have Orthodox Muslim, we have Nation of Islam, we have Pentecostal Christian, we have you know we have like you know spiritual non practicing. Like we have so many different types of people, and mm-hmm. I think the beauty of growing up in a family like that that the patriarch of our family, my grandfather, really instills in everybody like. If not, and he was he was by the way a Pentecostal preacher, um, and he really instilled in everybody like, you guys are family, like whatever, however you guys are different, you guys are family. So as you can imagine, a family that big, like we have gay people, we have straight people, we have all of these amazing, wow. you know, identities. But but my grandfather, my maternal grandfather, you know, defined this family as one that regardless of how you're different, you guys are also fundamentally family. That's so, so beautiful. And it was if, really beautiful. And I just think like if the whole world could take oh that lesson, oh, like we're all one family despite the differences. Like there's room for all of it. Yeah. It's a it's it's you know if it's it works, my, like whatever connects you, that's right. like I'm not here to that's criticize. Right. I'm here to be your cheerleader. Yeah. Like whatever it is yeah. that connects you, yeah. so long as it's not getting in the way of somebody else's connection, right. I will support you and I will cheerlead you in that no yeah. matter what it is. You know, like, I mean, so long as you're not hurting anybody exactly. or hurting yourself. Exactly. But I don't think it matters what it is. Yeah. So matter that everyone has something that makes them feel seen and heard and connected to something larger than themselves. Mm-hmm. Here, here. I've got nothing to add to that. Amen. I mean, now just to be like fully like honest, you know, we definitely have, you know, there's still like plenty of conflicts within that, right. you know. Yeah. And I have older aunts and uncles who are more devout, mm-hmm. who definitely do not approve of <laughs> me specifically. Yeah. Are you yeah. out to your or, whole family? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. Well, it's impossible for me to not be out. I mean, Lena's like, yeah, of course. You know, and, yeah. and by the, the way, the most like, public lesbian in, in all of the, the Western the world. world. Exactly. In the whole Ellen entire who? world. Exactly. Yeah. Right now, I feel like exactly. Lena was just like, all the Western world? Yeah. Oh, she's definitely yeah, she's like, like, I have and a And the note. Eastern world. And the Northern and the Southern world. I bet. She's definitely, if you show her, you know, if you send her an edit of this before you air it, she will definitely give that note. But, um, <laughs> but Well, yeah. we won't. And she doesn't get a say. <laughs> exactly. This is Perfect. your interview. Perfect. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's. I mean, I, I was always like, when I started dating Lena, which was my only real like public relationship with a woman, I'd been dating men, you know, basically my whole life before then in terms of like people that I was dating that people knew about. Um, and so it was... I, I, like, I've always been, and I don't know if this is Torian or if this is just me, like, I've always been somebody who's uncompromising about who I am. And so I was like, hi, this is my girlfriend. She's a woman and let's move on. And I have, I have one other cousin in our family who is out and he's, he and I are like incredibly close. We're like, we're best friends. And I went through his coming out with our family. And it was really amazing that one of my best friends in life is also my cousin who would also support me in coming out to our family. And, you know, like the vast majority of people, first of all, like Lena's lovely. And so they all fell in love with her. And that was annoying because everybody was like, yeah, you don't have to show up, just send Lena. (laughs) And then, you know, the part of my family that I'm like super, super close to, because it's impossible to be close to a hundred people like in the same way. So the people that I was super close with all immediately, you know, got it. My mom, you know, is still a journey. We're still working on it because my mom is like a mom and we're incredibly close and she's reconciling 
being a mom who's incredibly close to her daughter and also someone whose religion tells her that her her daughter's lifestyle, as she calls it, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> is is sinful. And so I've navigated that with a lot of family members. But but on the whole, I think, you know, what you said, Brandon, like, I think a lot of people feel like that's a naive ideal, but I've witnessed it, you know, like I have aunts who are like, we for sure are not down with a lot of things about you, you know, mm. but whatever, like you're a niece and we love you and there's no shunning. There's no, you know, people create the boundaries that work for them. Right. So like some people don't want to be in the, I have people in my family who don't drink alcohol. Right. And then like, there's the people in our family, me included, who really drink alcohol. <laughs> you know? And the people that don't, like, that's a boundary for them. And they're like, we don't want to be in a space where you guys are drinking. And so either, like, don't drink while we're there and that happens. Or they're like, you know what, we're not going to come to that. And so mm. there's ways to – I think there's ways to navigate those really profound differences in belief and ideology and practice without saying, like, just because we're different, we can't find commonality. Right. So can we talk about the journey of your sexuality then? Since it feels, it feels like a natural segue. Let's. I was trying to tee you up there, Angel. I may, or, I may or may not have known that that was a point of interest to you on this conversation. Well, this is the spiritual gaze. So we exactly. are curious to explore. Of course. Yeah. So in, interested in, because you did, I mean, you teased out the like mm-hmm. relationships that they I try. knew yeah. of. Yeah. 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 So... What was that like for you then mm. growing up in a religion, in a yeah. household that you obviously knew it was deemed yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. wrong? Yeah. Uh, were you already aware mm. at that time? So you were? No. So so I think I'm still on a personal journey myself. Okay. If you ask me, were you suppressed or repressed as a child? And were you not acknowledging your attraction to women in addition to men because I don't I, I identify as anything I identify as bisexual mm-hmm. um because you were in this like super suppressive religion um I would say no now there are therapists who have disagreed with me <laughs> <laughs> now so for me I feel like I grew up I, I genuinely grew up with this like uncompromising I am going to be who I'm going to be feeling and very honestly, a lot of privilege within that. Like my father, the you know, my father was never uh, practicing anything. My mother was, when they got married, a devout Jehovah's Witness. And they were, they had conversations about how they would raise their children. And because this religion is so important to my mom, my father said, um, you know, like you should raise the children in your religion because this is your belief system and it's important to you. And when they are of age, which they decided was 18, you are going like they, you have to let them choose to do whatever Mm -hmm. they want. And none of my brothers nor I chose to stay practicing that religion. So I don't feel like I was like, I know people who grew up in that religion and other kinds like it who did not have that freedom. Like I knew that from a child, like I knew I had a lot of choice. When my parents got divorced, I spent a lot of time with my father. So it wasn't like I, you know, wasn't in a space and around people where I could go to my dad and say, Dad, I think I'm attracted to women. When I was in high school or junior high, high school, and I was starting to, like, explore just relationships, romantic with people. Like, and I mean, like, 
crushes, you know, yeah. like who I was like, oh, that person's cute. I definitely remember thinking like, oh, that would be interesting if you were in a relationship with a woman or like be interested mm. if you like thought that woman was cute or like it would be interesting. I remember in an intellectual way <laughs> having this conversation with myself uh-huh. in my bedroom. When I was in college. But there wasn't like a person. No. I didn't have like the tragic, like I was looking at the cheerleader next to me like, oh, I'm only, you know. A Sundance movie. I did not have the Sundance movie version of that. And so, and then when I was in college, I definitely felt like I am figuring out who I am as a person, Mm. period. And I definitely felt like I flourish. I had like a very dramatic, it wasn't that dramatic, but I had like a very dramatic sophomore year where I basically had like a breakdown. And I was like, I need to like leave this school. I need to just go out into the world. I need to just find who I am and like be myself. And I bet my sexuality was a part of that, Mm -hmm. but I never identified that as such. It wasn't conscious at the time. It was not conscious at all. Now, like, you know, you have a drink you maybe do a substance. And are you making out with a girl? Of course. But like, you know, it wasn't that like- That was not my experience, you know? Alana, but okay. I don't, you never did that? Oh, okay. All right. To each their own. Um, but I wasn't like, again, there was no part of me that was either feeling like, oh, you can't be this person if this is who you want to be. And there was also no part of me that was like really actively exploring that. Mm-hmm. Cut to like- I remember being really, really attracted to Lena and just, like, really, like, being like, oh, that girl is cute. And, like, oh, we have, like, there's a thing happening here from, like, very early on. And, you know, I like to believe that – and at the time I was like, oh, Lena has a crush on me and isn't this cute and, like, maybe something – apparently she didn't. But, you know, (laughs) I don't know if you talked about that with her (laughs) on a previous episode. But but I definitely remember being like, yeah, this is, like – this is, like, something that I want to pursue. Like, this person is really attractive to me. And I genuinely thought we would, like, hook up and hang out and, like, it would be, like, a fun time and then I'd move on with my life. And I mm-hmm. had no anxiety about that. I had no, like, reluctance about that. And then when we ended up dating and I told – and I was, like, starting to tell people, like, hey, I'm dating somebody. And I definitely made a point to be, like, and by the way, it's a woman and, like, do you want to talk to me about that? Like, my family and close friends. Right. And what was really interesting to me is that my cousin, Jelani, who is my cousin I was describing earlier, who who is also gay or who's gay, um, said, ugh, always knew you'd eventually end up with a woman. And I was like, oh, oh wow. really? And he was like, I mean, Alana, like, you're – he was like, maybe not, like, the person you would marry, but he was like, I always knew, you know, being with all – like, I always was kind of known for for – like, never having a type or, like, dating a certain kind of person. And he was like, I just always knew that, like, your journey would somehow go through, you know, being with women. And I don't, I didn't know if, like, more people were surprised that I was in, like, a committed relationship than they were that I was with a woman. <laughs> but he was like, I didn't know if that would be, like, a person you would end up spending your life with. But I always knew that was in the cards for you. And a lot of people said that to me. And so mm. maybe there's something that I didn't see that other people saw in me. But... I guess the long and the short of it is there wasn't that I am aware of, even to this day, an angsty discovery of my sexuality. Right. It always felt there. And then when I found a woman who I was definitely really attracted to and really 
wanted to pursue in like a relationship way it kind of happened organically yeah it sounds like you just did it i just did it <laughs> and so i you was didn't 30 even go i was 30 so i didn't have like i wasn't a teenager like i didn't right. have i was 30 living in la and had a real I had gone through other journeys, so I had a real sense of myself and a real confidence and a real support system. So it was easier for me, maybe. But yeah, we just, you know, we just ended up together. And you didn't have to go through the angsty situation then. No, no. I mean, Lena talks about this all the time because she's like the number one question. Like, you know, her friends asked was like, like, how was that? Like, was Alana like weirded out by it? Was she like, did you guys have to have these conversations about like, you know, are you gonna like miss being with men and it literally never happened, which is why her therapist is convinced that I've been a lesbian my entire life. <laughs> He's like, okay, yeah, she's definitely a lesbian and has Aww. been always, and she's still not acknowledging it, and that's okay. That's her journey to walk. Right. No. I, well, and that's the thing. I think everyone's journey is unique and different, yeah. and you know, I, we have a mutual, well, a friend of ours who he had a similar story in that mm-hmm. he was heterosexual his whole life never even thought had yeah. the, never even had that moment yeah. of like that would be interesting if i did that yeah. and he was 28 years old and well i mean he does say accidentally stumbled upon gay porn oh, but i don't know if i believe that part <laughs> anyhow yeah. had like an experience with gay porn <laughs> and uh-huh. was like oh i like this so much more wow and then had a whole like night of like crisis of conscience and then the wow. next day was like i was think like, i might I think be gay. into men and wow. is now have been in a committed relationship wow. with a man and and has identified as gay ever since then, but was 28 mm. years old and up to that point, you know, and so we've had that conversation too, where I'm like, wow. don't you feel like maybe you were surprised? And he's like, no, I was like dating women. Like I wasn't, I was in love with women. I don't know yeah. why or how, but yeah. that was my experience. Hmm. And I believe him. He's a very trustworthy human of course, being. Yeah. So I'm yeah. like, wow, that's a fascinating experience. So mm-hmm. I I mean, I, I I believe you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, well, I believe you too. Alana. Thank you, Brandon. I don't thank think you. that you're denying your history. Well, it's interesting because like I also understand like it's been a really interesting thing for me to become now a part of a community that has, and I'm like, I sit on the board of GLAD. Like I am like, I have this great privilege to be have to have been welcomed into a community where like a huge part of being in this community is like that experience of coming out and that experience of like particularly for people who came out in places and times and spaces where like you couldn't just you can't just casually have the privilege to be like oh yeah you know right I just discovered that I wanted to try this thing and it was fine and <laughs> right. so it's been a, it's a really interesting thing to navigate because. Most people who meet me, who've met me in the past five years since I've been with Lena, just assume that I've been a lesbian my entire life and that I mm-hmm. identify as a lesbian. People that have known me before have a lot of questions and we talk through it. Like I literally like have an aunt who was like, so were you just like having sex with men your whole life and hating it? And I was like, I don't want to talk to you about anyone yeah. I was having sex with, <laughs> let alone my experience of yeah. it, but okay. And And I think like, you know, look, I'm cognizant of, fully understanding that like for a lot of people this is not an experience they can understand or make sense to them on like whatever side or wherever you fall on the spectrum of sexuality but I'm glad to hear that that's really helpful to hear that story of your friend because I'm like I can't be the only person who has had this you know journey well what I love about your vulnerability to share this story Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. from your heart yeah. is that I think it will encourage other people to realize that it isn't always about 
the gender or the specificity of the label, even though I completely understand why queer people, we need to fight for our rights and our representation. But sometimes it really is just like you see a soul and like you want to love and fuck Mm -hmm. and spend the rest of your life with that soul. And it doesn't really matter the body that they're in. There's a deeper spiritual pull there. Amen. And it can fly in the face of everything that you've experienced up to that moment. Amen. I totally agree. And I think that's a beautiful story that honestly is pretty undertold. I I agree. And I hope that like we get to this place where, you know, and again, like I have so much respect for like the the struggle of queer representation, queer rights, like queer protection, by the way, a struggle that is like continuing and, and, and in like many never ways. And more important because exactly, holy fuck. Because holy fuck. We're like taking major steps backwards. It's, it's unbelievable. Like it's, 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 I mean, you know, I mentioned being on the board of GLAD, like it's, it's, it's a huge part of the work of GLAD moving forward. Um, So there's no part of me that wants to sit in this like, you know, straight privilege of like, I get to just, you know, either choose to be straight or I get to fall in love with, you know, whoever I fall in love with. I identify as a queer person. Well, I mean, you're um, married to a woman, so you'd have that's to. That's true. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You signed the paperwork. And- exactly. So, you know. so that's my favorite thing because Lita is like, she's like, she's convinced that I can only be gay with her. It's like the biggest <laughs> ego thing in the world. And if ever I just want to like fuck with her, I'm like, yeah, you know, if we ever got divorced, like, you know, I'd find some wonderful woman and she's like, you should. But yes, but yes, I definitely, I'm committed. Uh, I'm committed now. Congratulations to you, honey. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So I'm curious, uh, just because you are married to Lena Waithe, Mm -hmm. you are a film producer, executive, have been studio executive Mm -hmm. in your past. You know, having been an an executive myself, Mm -hmm. it's definitely like the back row of the notoriety. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like crap. You know, like you're doing a lot of the work. You're like outside the building. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> like your name's not probably even the credits or like, well, mm-hmm. by the time no, you go to the yeah. studio, it is. Yeah. But anyhow, so you have, you know, we're coming from that background and have now been much more thrust into a public life. How have you, how's that experience been for you? And how are you navigating that? Um, it's been crazy. <laughs> I can only imagine because um, knowing you, having known you from the past, you, you know. were always kind of a bit of, I felt like a private I am. person. I am. I am. I loved that I had a job that allowed me to like be around all this creativity and never have to be visible beyond what I chose. You right. know, I thought that was always really, really cool. And I always hated the part of Hollywood where like you were career advancement and your your power in this industry and power in this industry is important because it allows you to advocate for getting the things that you believe in and that you're passionate about done I always hated the part of that that was tied to like your your own personal PR um so I still am in denial that I am dating a person who has any sort of fame or notoriety and it's it's like a it's a running joke in our relationship because I'm always like oh just go out and do that thing and she's like people are gonna, right. <laughs> you know people are going to recognize me and I'm like no they're not it's fine <laughs> um, just go to Gelson's exactly, and get the almond milk please exactly exactly um what I will say is like the part of it that has that has been really wonderful for me to experience is tied to the fact that we are two Black queer women in a very public relationship. And 
never in a million years would have expected this for all the reasons we just discussed. But to have people come up to me and say, like, seeing you guys in a photograph together or seeing you guys be so comfortable being out has affected, impacted, inspired us is the greatest privilege of all of this. Like, truly, you know, like, do I enjoy being able to get a reservation at a restaurant more easily? (laughs) Sure. I'm not going to say I'm above that. That's a capital Y, yes, I bet. It's a huge (laughs) yes, you know. But other than that, yeah, it's really, really hard for me. And what I'm doing in real time is I'm like, listen, we just live our lives, you know, and Lena loves I think being public and is really comfortable with it and really Lena loves no, being no, I public? know. I don't know if you've met her before, but yeah. I just she, noticed. <laughs> Sorry. She's I definitely throw her please shade I put that in the you I have mean, the two of you throwing the ghost of Lena Shade is a lot right now. <laughs> you have to that has to make the edit, I'm just saying. Uh but you know, so I'm like, okay, that's the thing that she loves and that's her job. And I'm still a person who like doesn't need to be ever at every event. I don't believe in walking red carpets unless she like asked me to for support and you know we've kind of just we've done it organically and like I don't post on social media hardly ever and if I do it's my dog or like oh, my friends you know I adorable know. I love Beautiful your dog someone. posts they're great thank you very much there's one up now if you want to look at my stories um <laughs> but uh and then you know Lena will post about what she posts about and we've kind of always been those people since we started dating and the good thing about her is like she hasn't I don't think, fundamentally changed as a person. Her life around her has changed, but she hasn't changed as a person. So it hasn't manifested in our relationship in a way that's that's been complicated, thank God, um, because that would have been really difficult to navigate. You know, we're just trying to walk through it as graciously and like organically and authentically as you can. Um, And the thing that I am grateful for having been, you know, the, the executive and the behind the scenes person is like you also while you're in the back row or you're like outside of the event you yeah. also have like a bird's eye view of everything so i have a very kind of sanguine you may call it cynical but like i'm pretty sanguine about this industry and like what it actually is and i like to think that i kind of see through all the bullshit and so you know like these things are fleeting and they're moments and I'm so proud of her and everything that she's done. And I'm so proud of her to get this moment because I know it's hard earned and I know that what she wants to do with it is fundamentally help other people. It's the same way I feel about Michael, who I work with. And so I'm like, for however long this lasts, like, good on you. Have fun. Enjoy it. Celebrate it. Try to do some good with it. And I will still be here not giving a fuck and, like, in our kitchen, you know, hopefully cooking us dinner or, like, having friends over if and when this moment changes into something else. Like, that's totally fine. And I feel like my role in our relationship is to be, like, the home and the anchor. And I'm like, you know, whenever stuff gets crazy or, you know, like, a thing happens in the press and, like, she comes home and she's, like, spinning out about it, I'm like, listen, that stuff is not real. Like, this is real. This is home. You have one. Thank God. And, like, let's go on about our lives. And, like, you know, she likes to talk about how I'm like, go take the trash out and, like, let's <laughs> right. sit here and watch, you know, something on TV. So I don't know if that answers your question, but. I think it does. And I'm curious, is that mm-hmm. just something inherent in you that you haven't had to work to stay grounded amidst the Hollywood machine? Or is that something that, like, you had to learn as you were coming up in the industry? Yeah. No, it's 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 the former. Like, I... I did not ever, I never had an attraction to that. Like when I was in, even when I was in like high school, I had a ton of friends, but I never liked the idea of like popularity. Like I never liked the idea of, you know, 
that always felt false to me. So I was always like, do I have my friends? Do I have my family? And like, I don't want to buy into this other shit. Like for me, like what I want, like the reason I wanted to move, well, I didn't want to move to LA, but the reason why I moved to LA and why I started doing this professionally was always about the work. And I think that part is truly, truly true. And like, it was, it was about making things and the people that I put on pedestals and look up to are people that nobody knows their name. They're the artists that I respect. People I think are smart and interesting and who do things that are bold and creative, which is a huge part of why I'm attracted to Lena. Like I felt that way about her before she was ever on television, before she ever had a statue, before she ever had, she's going to kill me, but I just have to tell this one story. When she was when we were at the Emmys when she was nominated. And, like, Lena's a pretty, like, you guys know her. She's, like, pretty chill. I mean, she's, like, you know, she's got a lot of energy, but she's, like, pretty, you know, pretty easygoing. And she was, I was, like, texting her publicist, like, do you have a Xanax? I was, like, she's going to have a panic attack. Like, she was so nervous and so keyed up. And I looked at her and I was, like, and I'd be, like, oh, look, they're so-and-so. And I'd be, like, oh, this is an interesting commercial break. And I was just, like, where's the champagne? And she was, like, Alana, this is the most important thing that has ever happened to me in my life. And I was, like, oh, no. <laughs> I was, like, no, 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 oh no. Oh, my god. This can't, this, this can't have been the most important thing that's happened to your life. But I was, like, this won't be the most important thing that's going to happen to you or your life. I'm, like, you're probably going to win. And if you don't. That's fine too. And like, calm down. Do you want me to get you a Xanax? So when we were going to get married, <laughs> oh my God. we were like in the car and and I was like, oh, you're not so nervous. And I was like, this might actually be the most important thing that has happened to you in your life. And like, look at how you're so chill. So I've always kind of, and I, I promise you, like, it sounds like I'm putting on. It's like, I've always just kind of felt like the shit that's important is who's here, who's healthy, your family. I think that's just how I was raised. And the rest of this is, can be fun. It can be really fun, but it's not like, it's not shit to lose sleep over. That is beautiful. Thank you. And Seriously. I think it's inspiring. Thank you. Thank and you so much. you've got your head on your shoulders correctly. I appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. I'm trying. You guys just like, let me know if it ever gets, you know. We'll keep you real. If I ever get too into the reservation. <laughs> <you know? laughs> oh, God. Uh, Please, this tourist rising over here is going to yeah, be like, yeah, as long I'm as it's for three. I'm mad if you don't invite me. As long <laughs> as it's for three. Angel if Lopez. Not, if it's not party of four. <laughs> I'm like, wait, you're going to that restaurant? I love invite it. me. Okay, good. You got a deal. You got a deal. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're going to follow through on our promise and we're going right. to shuffle the cards so that Alana can pull our tarot card for the episode. Ooh, yes. Very so the way this works is we just encourage everyone to take a moment and just tune in because you're pulling a card that's going to be a message for everybody listening amazing not just for you oh noche woke, woke up for this part oh yeah noche psychically clearing yeah. the cards yeah. <laughs> and he's done and he's like, <laughs> and i've cleared them back to bed <laughs> all right i am gonna go spread these cards out for alana Ooh, we got a card oh god watch well, it be like oh no <laughs> no there's no such thing as good cards or bad okay cards. good thank god so Alana pulled for us the two of pentacles, Aww. which pentacles are, well, first of all, we could just say that the two of pentacles are you and Lena because pentacles are earth. Oh. So it's like, here's two earth signs in relationship with each other. And pentacles also is like the magic of ordinary reality. That's what the suit speaks to. And the two of pentacles is about balance and change in the effort to restore balance as we change, as we grow. So 
I always think of the Two of Pentacles as like the sweet, happy death card, which is basically saying like, what needs to change? Like, what do you need to get rid of? How are you bringing about balance in the physical things in your life? So even just like the story that you just told feels like a very Two of Pentacles story to me because it's about how we experience the moments of importance in our life change as we grow and as we expand. And so the message for the collective is just to take a look at physical reality because it can get really easy to get caught up in your head or sometimes to even like get caught up in the drama of your heart or get like a little too spiritually esoteric and forget that like we're here in form and we need to like look at what's around us, the people, the places, the things, our health, our food, and make sure that everything's supporting us and that everything's in alignment. And then if you have that, like that's the foundation for everything that moves forwards. So this is really beautiful. And also there is a sense in the two of pentacles too. You can see there's a picture of like a snake eating its own tail, Mm -hmm. which is just about the sense of continuity, Mm -hmm. that which is infinite and that growth is an infinite cycle. Like you never can put a period at the end of your evolution. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as you get comfortable with something, it's time to change it. So you might just think like, what have you gotten a little too comfortable with? Mm -hmm. And what are you like now ready to up level into? Yes, up level. Yes, up level. I love that card. So I just want to say thank you so much for coming over and for sharing your heart and your history. I know that all of our gazers are going to love this episode and just a really unique and necessary story. And I'm so glad that you had the courage and confidence to let us draw it out of you. Thank you both. I love you. Oh, we love love you. you. And congratulations on your wedding. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Exciting times. Talk about growth and change. My goodness. Seriously, right. new yeah. house, new yeah, wife, new house, new, new wife, all sorts of things. Yeah, all in a I week, know. girl. All in a week. I know. Damn, Jesus, you don't mess around with a full moon. We week. don't. Listen, we're Tauruses. We get shit done. <laughs> <laughs> Truth. Uh, all right. Well, uh, we want to give a big thank you to all of you out there for listening tuning in for leaving reviews which we read in bed and we giggle out loud and we're so grateful and for rating us and for sending us your questions and your comments we love you all gazers thank you yeah thank you and uh, we actually had two five-star reviews come in as of late two five-star reviews yeah mushmouse 1244 we always make you smile loves us both Thank you. It'd be awkward if you only loved one of us. That would be awkward. We love you too, Mushmouth. <laughs> and Tava, T-A-A-V-A, loves it. Uh, loves our approach to witchy, shamanic, tarot, astrological spirituality. It's so accessible. Um, and down for your spiritual gaze. So thank you. We're down for you too. We're so down. You can always find us at The Spiritual Gaze on Instagram or just Spiritual Gaze on Twitter. Uh, or you can email us at thespiritualgaze at gmail.com. Uh, a big thank you to Juan Diego for all of his lovely sound assistance work. And of course to uh, Mr. Justin Simeon for the interstitial beats. We appreciate it. Until next time, this has been your transit through the spiritual gaze. Oh, that was so saucy, Alana. I tried to harmonize. <laughs> <laughs> you did. <laughs>